you take your Bibles with me this morning and turn to John chapter 4? John chapter 4 this morning, we're going to focus on the, the, the conclusion to this, uh, this portion of the chapter in, in John chapter 4, uh, the portion uh, of the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman at the well. So we're going to be looking at verses 31 through 42 this morning. John chapter 4, beginning in verse 31. I'm going to read through verse 42. If you don't have a copy of God's Word, there are still some on the table back there. Feel free at any point to stand up and go grab one. Uh, Like I say regularly, it's important for you to have the words in front of you so that you can better understand that these aren't the things that I am saying, that I've concocted in my my mind, um, but that these are the very words of God coming to you uh, through the Holy Spirit as he inspired the Apostle John to write these things Uh, so long ago. John chapter 4, beginning in verse 31. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging him, saying, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Has anyone brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. Do you not say there are yet four months, then comes the harvest? Look, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. Already the one who reaps is receiving wages and gathering fruit for eternal life, so that the sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored, and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me all that I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they asked him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. And many more believed because of his word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we have heard it for ourselves, and we know that this is indeed the Savior of the world. At one point or another, you've probably heard the word superfood. Um, You've heard that when you think about nutrition, and I don't really know the science behind superfoods, and that's not really the point of what I'm saying here. Maybe it's just a clever marketing ploy to get you to buy specific things, but it's become a regular, again, a regular part of a lot of nutrition discussions. The Harvard School of Public Health says a food is promoted to superfood status when it offers high levels of desirable nutrients is linked to the prevention of a disease, or it is believed to offer several simultaneous health benefits beyond its nutritional value. That sounds pretty good to me, Um, and that's probably what I want to put in my body then. Um, I'll eat more broccoli and blueberries because those have made the list. Um, Our culture is borderline obsessed with those sorts of conversations, with nutrition conversations, with about fueling our body the right way and thinking about how we can uh, be uh, stewards of that which God has given us in this physical temporal realm. And we know that we need to properly fuel our bodies. We know that we need to put in things in order to have the proper output uh, for our physical bodies. 
Um, again, we don't really even need to have a conversation about superfoods to know that broccoli and blueberries and salmon, though, are better for us than cake and pizza and, uh, and donuts. Um, I'm closer to 40 now than I am to 30. And sometimes I forget that I can't eat like a college student. Um, and, and so uh, I can't put fried foods in my body as, as, at the rate that I used to be able to and then wake up the next day and feel good and feel energized and feel prepared to, uh, to take on the day. Uh, on Friday, just a couple days ago, um, this is my, I, didn't, I don't keep a food journal, but I, I think I remember clearly what I ate on Friday, and it was not good. It was really bad. I woke up. I didn't eat breakfast. I don't think I ate breakfast. Did we eat breakfast? On Friday? Maybe I did. Maybe we ate an omelet. We ate an omelet on Friday, on Friday morning, and I drank way too much coffee. And then, um, and if you know me, that's not uncommon. But uh, I drank way too much coffee. And then uh, I missed lunch because I was feeding. I don't know what was happening on Friday that I just didn't eat. And then it got to 2 p.m. So I had half a frozen pizza. Um, and then uh, at 6.30, at 6.30, after the dinner hour, without eating dinner, we had cake and ice cream for Rebecca's birthday. Um, and then at 8 p.m., probably a little bit after 8 p.m., I ate some Applebee's, which consisted of some onion rings and a burger. Now, and I woke up on Saturday morning. Was, why do my arms and legs feel like a ton? Why, can't, why do I feel terrible right now? And it's because I did a poor job on Friday of fueling my body with healthy healthy things. Now, in the moment, I wasn't really thinking about it. I was just like, yep, got to get something in. And boom, I did that. Um, but then on yesterday, it took me a long time to get going, to get going in the morning. Maybe you can sympathize. If you're in your, if you're in your 20s, um, and I know some of you in this room are, and you're moving towards your Thursdays, and you tell me that you're feeling sluggish, you've probably heard me say to you, when was the last time you ate a vegetable? And if you hesitate at all, I'm going to probably point at you and say, there's your problem. <laughs> You're, there's your problem. You don't really know when the last time you ate a vegetable ate a vegetable was. John's not here this morning, and he's heard me say that to him a hundred times. He's in his 20s. He's preaching at First Baptist in Valley City this morning, but he's heard me say that, so I'm going to pick on him because he's not here to defend himself. Honestly, though, when I say, when was the last time you ate, ate a vegetable, I'm probably talking more to myself than to you anyways. So um, I'll put that on my to-do list. I need to eat, eat some broccoli today. This passage we're going to look at this morning is about spiritual nourishment. Just, just like we want to fuel our bodies properly, we also need to fuel our souls properly. And the beauty of this passage is that Jesus tells us exactly how to do that. Jesus, through his Holy Spirit here, tells us exactly how to fuel our souls properly. Remember where we've been in John. Again, I mentioned at the outset, but we've been talking, uh, Jesus has been talking about the Samaritan woman, and so we've been thinking through that. We're thinking through the Samaritan woman and how she was an unlikely, and really even in a lot of senses, an impossible candidate to receive uh, the life that Jesus brings. This woman was culturally disadvantaged in every way. She was a woman, and she was a Samaritan. Two things that were looked down on heavily in her, in her, uh, in her society by Jews and just by society at large. She was a miserable sinner. She continued sinning. She was actively sinning when Jesus talked to her because she was engaged in an adulterous relationship with a man. 
And prior to that, she had engaged in several adulterous relationships prior. She, uh, she, uh, she exhibited unbelief. She ignored Jesus' words, tried to avoid them. Um, she, she changed the subject when Jesus brought up the, the subject of her, her sin. And yet, what we find is that Jesus still offers himself to her. Jesus, the, continue, the continual offer of himself, the continual offer of eternal life, the continual offer of living water is given to her throughout this passage. And so where we are this morning is that the disciples come back from buying food and they're surprised, this was a couple of weeks ago, they were surprised, they marveled that he was talking with a woman. They're astonished to see Jesus speaking to this woman, again, someone who was culturally disadvantaged and an unlikely candidate to receive the life that Jesus brought and could offer, someone who uh, was incredulous in her unbelief. But when Jesus revealed to this woman that he was the Messiah, what she does is what we should all do when we hear that truth, and she leaves everything, and she follows Jesus. And so that's where we are this morning, when we get to verse 31. We now hear from the disciples in verse 31, and they urge Jesus to eat. They engage with Jesus and set up what Jesus says here for us. And then we learn many things from Jesus' words. Two things that I want to key on this morning, though. I want to key on two things. The first is, uh, the first is where we're going to spend the bulk of our time, and then the second thing is going to operate as a conclusion, because the, the passage just lends itself, because it's the conclusion of this interaction, it lends us to draw some conclusions about, about, uh, about this, this, uh, this story. So the first thing, though, I want you to see this morning in this passage is how to be spiritually nourished. How to be spiritually nourished. Now, John, the author here, the Apostle John, um, actually draws this line for us from the beginning of this text. From the beginning of chapter 4, he draws a line. He tells us where he's going. Look at verse 8 in chapter 4. Look in your Bibles with me. In parenthesis, your Bible, if you're reading the ESV like I am, says, for his disciples had gone away into the city to buy food. John was saying this is going to be the setup for, for where we're going and for the, the conclusions that Jesus is going to draw at the end of this text. So we remember that when we get to verse 31 and the disciples say, Rabbi, eat. They had gone to get food. And Jesus replies something a little bit curious. He says, I have food to eat that you do not know about. And so I can imagine their confusion. And they went ahead to get food. And then they come back. And Jesus said he already had food. What is this all about? I have food to eat that you do not know about. And immediately, I think their response was like, so uh, did someone bring him food while we were gone? In the meantime... But Jesus clarifies. He moves on. He takes it a step further here. And in verse 34, he tells them exactly what he means. Exactly what he means. He says, and this is the, mo- this is the, the, the most important sentence, which everything else in this passage that we're looking at, 31 through 42, is built on. He says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. And this sentence here 
teaches us and what follows, we can, we can begin to, to better understand exactly what Jesus means. But this sentence here teaches us how to be spiritually nourished. It teaches us how to understand and know uh, how our souls uh, can be fueled. The, the, the thought that immediately arises is when Jesus says something like this, um, we think to ourselves, well, yes, absolutely, I don't want to be spiritually malnourished. I don't want to be spiritually underfueled. I want to have the proper spiritual energy for engaging in the things that God has called me to engage in. You remember that Jesus, as he's offering the woman at the well living water, he, what he's offering to her is himself, and through himself, life, and through life, eternal life. And you'll remember all the way back to the beginning of John's gospel in John chapter 1, verse 4, when Jesus or when John tells us about Jesus, he says, In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Jesus offers life by offering us himself. Jesus is the source of life. Paul says in, in, in Colossians chapter 1, verse 16, that all things were created through him and for him. The him there being Jesus. Apart from Jesus, you and I would not exist. You must believe that. You have to believe that G- apart, from you, apart from Jesus, you and I would not exist. We would not be sitting in this room. We would not exist in any sense of the word. And so we need to conclude that apart from Jesus, it is impossible to have spiritual life. Jesus offers life to us like he offers life to the Samaritan woman. A spiritual life. That will live forever. And to have spiritual life, you must do the two things that Jesus calls the woman to do. Repent of your sins and to believe in the Lord Jesus. Not Again, not just believe that he exists, but, but believe in the sense that he is the source of everything. That he is the one who can give you eternal life and him alone. And when you have life, when you have life, You need to be fueled. You need to be nourished. Just like you have physical life this morning, you're in here breathing the air, you probably ate breakfast or drank some coffee or did something, probably better than I did. My wife made me breakfast this morning. Um, When we, when you need to put something in your body to have the energy to, to move around and to do the things that you need to do physically. The same is true spiritually. The same is true spiritually. You need to fuel the spiritual life that is yours in in Jesus. If you're a Christian, you need to be spiritually nourished, just like you need to be physically nourished. You should not think of your spiritual nourishment as secondary. This This is the error that many Christians make. They think that their spiritual nourishment, their spiritual fuel, is is secondary. That it's just come when it can. We'll get it when we, when, we, when we need it, or when things are really bad, then we'll get a good meal. But you don't wait until you can see your ribs to eat a, eat a steak. You don't wait until you're physically so drained because of all the work that you've put in to put something in, in your body. That's not a healthy way to approach your physical life. And so why would we do that with our spiritual life? 
No matter how much time and energy and money you put into be, being physically healthy, however, and this is the difference between the two, no matter how much time and energy and money you put into being physically healthy, and many of us pour a lot of money into those things, your body will get old and it will die. But your soul will go on. Friends, your soul will live on. Either into eternal life in the presence of God or to an eternal death apart from God, enduring his wrath for eternity in hell. Since this is the case, you should really take some time to think about priorities. You should really take some time this week to consider your priorities. Do your day-to-day decisions take into account eternity? Or are they only fixed on this temporary realm? Certainly, if you have eternal life and th- and in and through Jesus, you-, you don't want to be malnourished. You don't want to be malnourished. And Jesus tells us how to be spiritually nourished right here. Now, I wonder if you've thought about this idea. I wonder if you've thought about this concept that just like your physical life requires nourishment, so your spiritual life requires nourishment. I wonder if you've thought about that idea recently. Because again, like I said, I think that it's a major oversight for many Christians. I mentioned that not fueling your body properly will lead to to problems. Um, and one of the ways that not fueling your soul properly will result in problems is that you will become increasingly susceptible to all sorts of spiritual health problems and conditions. If you aren't fueled properly in your spiritual life, you will endure or become increasingly susceptible to all sorts of spiritual health problems. A life that is joyless, a life that is discontent, a life that is continually caught up in repetitive sin. Those are markers of a spiritual life that does not care about the right spiritual nourishment. Many Christians' spiritual diet includes so-called Christian literature that is really just designed to pump you up to feel good about yourself. That's the cake and the ice cream of the spiritual world. You get a bit of a sugar high, and then you find yourself just as depressed, just as joyless, just as frustrated, suffering the same things in the repetitive patterns of sin that you were prior. I think I have time to take this brief aside, and I'm going to do this, because this is one of those, uh, those, one of those things that has become clear to me recently. Uh, men in this room, spiritual passivity is not okay in your home. You are called and you are designed by God to be the spiritual leader of the home to set the pace and set the tone spiritually in your home. If you are married, you have a spouse and you have children who live in your home, then you need to be the one who sets the tone in that place. I'm, I'm continually uh, astonished at how much Christian literature is being published and aimed directly at women. I. And I'm concerned 
Because I think a lot of times those things are only necessary because these, the women's husbands are spiritually checked out. They're completely absent from the lives of their wife spiritually. And we don't have to go past the first three chapters of the Bible to understand exactly how this dynamic works. In the Garden of Eden, where did the serpent go? He went to the woman to undermine the role that God had established for the man and for the woman. He went to Eve because Adam was created to be the spiritual leadership in his relationship with his wife. And when the serpent started speaking to Eve, he should have done something. He should have taken action. He should have crushed the head of the serpent in that moment. He should have ended its life. He should have squashed the spiritual deception when Satan began to twist the words of God, speaking to Adam's wife Eve. He should have ended the conversation. But rather than ending the conversation, he passively stood by and let Eve eat and then ate himself. The serpent knew that he got, he got a two-for-one deal. Sin piled upon sin. If he could deceive Eve while Adam stood by passively and sin was allowed to enter the world. Men, I'm, I'm convinced of this. Your wives are under spiritual attack and I'm convinced that this is one of the primary strategies in our culture that Satan is using against us. He is capitalizing on the spiritual passivity of men and allowing women to be malnourished by things that seem to be spiritually substantive but are not. That they're the cake and ice cream. So many Christian, so-called Christian books and blogs and podcasts, again, are aimed at women, and what they're doing is justifying actions and attitudes. What they're doing is saying, you're, you're good enough, you're okay, by yourself. You've got little kids, and so your life is hard. Your husband is a buffoon. Now, they might not use those words, but un- the underlying current says you don't, you don't need to listen to him. He's not your head. Go figure it out for yourself. They say things like cut toxic people out of your life. You're made for more than what you're doing now. And they're subtle and they're deceptive. Not because sometimes those messages aren't redeemable, but because they're Christless. Because they they don't offer the hope of Jesus Christ in the midst of those things. Women, I'm here to tell you this morning that you're not enough, but you know the one who is. And your husband needs to be continually telling you that and reminding you of that truth. Husbands, you need to lead your wives in this way. You need to lead your children in this way. You need to bring them to the source of life, Jesus Christ, your Lord, every single day. We need to care about spiritual nourishment, men. We need to be spiritually discerning and to see that deception is crushed in the messaging that's being shot the way of our wives and our children. We need to be convinced that we're not just talking about temporary, secondary matters, but we're talking about eternal, primary matters. So, all of that to say, I took that aside, but all of that to say, we need to, as people, every single person in this room who is in Christ, who has spiritual life, 
in him needs to be spiritually nourished. We need to be fueled properly. And so that's the question. How are we to be spiritually nourished? And that's what verse 34 indicates to us. Jesus tells us, he says, my food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. For Jesus, that means something a bit different than it does for you and me. But it does apply to you and I. It does apply to us. But again, it means something a little bit different. Because God the Father sent Jesus Christ into the world, and Jesus was sent to do the work of going to the cross to pay for your sin and for my sin. Through His work, Jesus would bring God's people home. Through Jesus' work, He would bring God's people home. So when Jesus says to do the will of Him who sent me and to accomplish His work, that's what that means. It means that He was going to go to the, gospel, go to the cross and the gospel would be fulfilled. The, all, of, all of history was pointing to Him and that He was bringing about the redemption that was promised in the Old Testament for God's people. Now what does it mean for us? Because we can say the same thing. We should say the same thing. We should say, my food is to do the will of the one who sent me and accomplish his work. Although this work that we're doing is a bit different. We are spiritually nourished when we do the will of him who sent us and accomplish his work. Now, God the Father sent Jesus into the world to die for the sins of the world. But for you and I, it's Jesus who sends us. Jesus commissions us. Not to go to the cross to die for the sins of others like he did, but to testify to the world about what he did. To tell others that their sins can be forgiven because of what Jesus did. As those who have been given spiritual life in Christ, we want to be spiritually nourished. And you can ask yourself this question this week. Do I want to be spiritually nourished? If the answer is no, then you're spiritually dead. And so, what you need to hear is, turn from your sin and believe in the Lord Jesus. That's, that's the end for you. If you say, I don't want to be spiritually nourished, I don't care about that, then my, my words to you are, repent and believe. If you say, I'm not sure, I'm not sure that I want to be spiritually nourished, I'm not sure what that's all about, that seems a little weird, I'm not quite on board yet, I wish I did, maybe, I'm not sure. Then I would say, you're on spiritual life support. But what Jesus says here can move you to hell. And if you're like, yes, I want to be spiritually nourished, I pray that that's every single person in this room. Yes, I want to be spiritually nourished. Great. Your spiritual food is to do the will of God by telling others about the life that can be theirs because of what Jesus did on the cross. That is your spiritual food. That is your spiritual food. That's what you need to walk away from this text believing. That you are called and commissioned and you are nourished by living into the things that Jesus has prepared for you. Mainly to tell others that forgiveness can be theirs because of what Jesus did on the cross. Now, in order to understand spiritual nourishment a bit better, there are two things to note in this text. 
the, the first thing is to start seeing spiritual realities, not just physical ones. To start seeing spiritual realities, not just physical ones. Look at verse 35. Jesus says, do, do you not say there are yet four months, then come the harvest? Four months until harvest in a physical reality in a physical world. Now, we're, I don't think we're quite that far away from harvest here, but, but we, all, we know that there's a calendar and that harvest happens at a particular time in the year, just like planting happens at a particular time in the year. And if you harvest before it's ready, then, then you're not going to get what you need. But Jesus says, look, you know the calendar. You know the physical world around you, and you can see the signs. But, you need to see the spiritual signs also. Look, he says, I tell you, lift up your eyes and see that the fields are white for harvest. What is Jesus saying? He's saying that there's a spiritual reality that is different from the physical one. He's saying the time isn't four months from now. The time isn't four days from now. The time isn't four minutes from now. He's saying the time is now. The time is now. The prophets in the Old Testament spoke of a future harvest. And Jesus is saying, the harvest is now. I'm here. Jesus is saying that this spiritual harvest is here because he has arrived. And the harvest is ongoing. Friends, you and I, for the last 2,000 years, this harvest has been going on. And his plan, Jesus' plan, is that we, the church, would continue to reap this harvest. Jesus ascended into heaven. He's at the Father's right hand. And he has commissioned us his church to reap the harvest that those who and enter into the labor of those who came before us. Your spiritual food is to do the will of God by telling others about the life that can be theirs because of what Jesus did on the cross. And so you must see spiritual realities and not just physical ones. The second thing to note from this text, though, uh, about our spiritual nourishment is that you need to be able to talk about spiritual things, not just physical ones. If you're going to tell others about spiritual truth, if you're going to tell others about spiritual realities, then you have to have the vocabulary to do so. This is a challenge for many of us. If you've been a Christian for a long time, can you speak about the things of God freely and fluently? But many men and women who claim to be Christians all over the place, all over the world, have sat in the pews of churches for hundreds, even thousands of Sundays under the preached word and cannot articulate anything beyond what they hear on Christian radio or a few common Christian cliches. How is that possible? How is that possible? Well, there's a couple of reasons. I think one, because of lack of discipleship. For one, men and women who have lived the Christian life for many of years should be taking a keen interest in younger believers and investing in them and building, helping them build the vocabulary to talk about spiritual things. But it's also just a lack of time in God's Word. Lots of absences from time with God's people. If you rarely spend time in God's Word, and if spending time with God's people means coming to church once or twice a month at most, then you're likely spiritually malnourished because you will be, able to, uh, be unable to speak openly, freely, and fluently about the things of God with others. Your spiritual food is to do the will of God by telling others about the life that they can have 
because of what Jesus did on the cross. And so you must be able to speak about spiritual things, not just physical ones. So to sum up, how can you be spiritually nourished? Again, by telling others about the life that they can have, that can be theirs, because of what Jesus did on the cross. And look at what Jesus says right at the end of this passage in verse 38. Not at the end of the passage, I'm sorry. In the middle of the passage we looked at. He says, I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. When we talk about telling others about Jesus, it's not an isolated event. You're not alone in it. I'm not saying go out to the street corner and wait for the first person to walk by and and have a gospel conversation with them. If you want to do that, lovely, go for it by all means. But the reality is that it's not an isolated incident. You have the weight of 2,000 years of the harvest being reaped behind you. You You have the weight of many men and women in this room who are regularly sharing the truth of who Jesus is and what he's done for us. In, uh, in their lives. The will of God for you and for me is the same as the will of God for the Samaritan woman. It's the same as the will of God for the disciples. It's the same as the will of God for everyone who has followed Jesus in the history of the church. God does have a plan for your life, and we hear this a lot. We talk about our uniqueness and our identity as, as individuals who make up and have Uh, interesting things about us and special gifts that we can serve one another with. That's, That's great. But we like to focus on that because it makes us feel important or different or set apart an ideal that our culture has. But let me tell you this morning that spiritual nourishment comes to you in the same way that it did for the for the first century Christian. Spiritual nourishment comes to you in the same way. That we would lift up our eyes this morning and see where God has placed us. And see that the fields are white for the harvest. And that we would care to be nourished spiritually by telling others about the life that can be theirs because of what Jesus did on the cross. So that's all to say. How can we be spiritually nourished? It's by following the example that Jesus sets for for us. Right there in verse 34. My food is to do the will of him who sent me and to accomplish his work. And then, in this passage, and this is the second thing that I want you to see, is the results of men and women seeking spiritual nourishment. If we're a church that wants to be nourished spiritually, that includes an external approach. That includes seeing men and women in our lives, hearing about the gospel, hearing about the good news of Jesus Christ and a life that can be theirs in him regularly. It's a picture of what we want to be and see as a church because it's what Jesus established the church for. Look at verse 39. Many Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. And then look at verse 41. And many more believed because of his word. Jesus, fully man, Jesus did the will of God perfectly. 
the woman bore witness about him, and many believed. And many heard the words of Jesus, and they believed. These people, through the woman's testimony, and through Jesus' words, believed that Jesus was the Savior of the world. Seeking spiritual nourishment in our lives can never be separated from telling others about Jesus. Seeking spiritual nourishment in our lives can never be separated from telling others about Jesus because Jesus has sent us to do just that. Tell others about who he is and what he's done. If Jesus is the source of life and we actively ignore what he says, can we truly be spiritually healthy? We can't. If Jesus is the source of life, and if we ignore what Jesus says, can we truly be spiritually healthy? The answer is no. But when we seek spiritual nourishment, the result is that others will come to saving faith in Jesus Christ. The result is that others will see the beauty of Jesus in the way that we have, in the way that the Holy Spirit has revealed to us in our hearts. The, the fields are ready to be harvested, Jesus says. Enter into the labor. Today is the day, friends. Today is the day to be spiritually nourished. Who has God put in your life to tell you uh, or to tell about Jesus and the eternal life that they can have in and through Him? Don't get wild here. Don't again begin to feel anxious. Who are the people that you talk to who don't know Jesus, who need to hear about Jesus? Are they your kids? Are they your grandkids? Is it a brother or a sister? Is it a coworker? Is it a friend? Is it a neighbor? You will have many, many interactions this week and many interactions with people who have not trusted Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of their sins. It is the spiritual nourishment of seeing those men and women hear and respond to the truth of the gospel that will lead to spiritual health for you and for our church. Additionally, you're looking out in the world for those who you can engage But how can you support? How can you pray for other men and women, say in your community group, who are actively engaging others with the gospel? How can you pray for them? How can you uh, offer them help when they're frustrated after the third or fourth or fifth or three hundredth time that they've shared the gospel with a coworker who who has just turned a deaf ear to them? How can you ask others to pray? That you'd have eyes to see a plentiful harvest that stands right before you. Friend, the spiritual nourishment isn't an isolated event. This is for the body of Christ. This is for us as a church. You should look around and you should see men and women whose lives are being transformed by the gospel, even in our midst, even this morning, and you should rejoice. Just because the words didn't come out of your mouth, just because of the way, that, the way that God chose you to use it, or just the way that God used you to encourage someone just by being present here this morning, might lead to transformation and spiritual life in the life of someone. Are you aware, friends, I'm asking you this question this morning as a church, are you aware of the lives that are being transformed at Buffalo City Church? We have two baptisms coming up at the end of this month. Amber and David, where growth and transformation is happening in the lives of people as they study God's word together and in discipleship. Many of you even mentioned to me last week how how you're thinking and dynamics in your spiritual life and how life-giving the message that John preached was last week and how the preached word has 
has changed many things in your mind and in your heart. Seek spiritual nourishment by seeing that others are hearing about Jesus and that the mission is being carried out here at Buffalo City Church. Seek to enter into the labor. Seek to find a way to be part of what's happening if you're not already. Men and women are coming to saving faith. God is doing this in our midst. People are believing and growing here. You can have a front row seat. You can be spiritually nourished by seeing God at work among us. But you've got to be here to see it. Don't don't rush out the doors this morning. Don't run to the door and exit quickly. Connect with others in your community group. Ask how you can serve the body of Christ and see her built up. Friends, spiritual nourishment is active. The words that Jesus uses in verse 34 are very active. He says, to do and to accomplish. It comes to those who actively pursue what God has set us all apart to do. The call to be spiritually nourished is the call to do God's will, to see his purposes accomplished, which are clearly defined for the church, to take the gospel to the ends of the earth, to take the gospel to the people who we are regularly engaged with in the world who have yet to believe, to make much of Jesus, to praise his name as the only one who is worthy of our praise. And when, people, and when God's purposes are carried out through his people, friends, we feast together. We will not be spiritually malnourished. As a church that sees lives being changed by the truth of the gospel, we will not be spiritually malnourished. God promises us this. We will feast together. We celebrate the spiritual life that God continues to breathe into men, into women, into boys and girls. And so, this week, may our food be to do the will of God by telling others about the life that they can have in Him because of what Jesus did on the cross. And may God, through His Holy Spirit, multiply our efforts. Let's pray. God, we thank You for Your Word. God, we thank You that it communicates so much truth about who You are. Everything that we need to know is contained in your word. God, but may we see that you clearly have a purpose for us. God, would we see that your will is for us to take the truth of who Jesus is to men and women who have yet to believe, who have yet to repent of their sins, who have yet to put their trust in Jesus and to follow him with all of their lives. God, this morning, would you stir in us something, a desire to be spiritually nourished, to see and to reflect on the spiritual good that is being done in our midst as a church, to see and reflect on the lives that are being changed even in our midst this morning, to see and reflect on the way that you are working through your word in the lives of men and women and boys and girls at Buffalo City Church. God, would we care deeply then to enter into the labor to continue to make our spiritual nourishment primary. Even as we won't miss a meal or skip skip a, a, a chance to be sustained by food, Lord God, would we not skip a meal to be spiritually nourished this week? God, would we desire to do your work and to see it accomplished in the world? God, thank you 
for welcoming us into this, for giving us a purpose. God, cause us to see that now clearly. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.